0: So maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Do you have a sense that um, when somebody is the preacher, which is what I'm doing right now, it takes a little more preparation than just like waking up on Sunday morning and being like, you know, I think I'll talk about this today or that today. And one of the first things that I do when I'm preaching is I look at those readings that we hear in church Sunday after Sunday. There's a long list of those readings. We have a fancy word for it. We call it lectionary. That lectionary is a list that lasts for three years. There's year A, year B, year C. And when I'm a preacher, I take a look at that. And I'm like, what am I feeling like? What am, what What part of the story here is going to grab me this morning that we might communicate to other people in a profound and, Loving way, And this is one of those days where the story is really rich. There's kinda like too many important stories to just pick one, but I'm gonna pick one anyway. That story that you heard from Genesis is a really important story in the history of Jewish and Christian story. It's one that talks about the very beginning of God taking on God's people and making a commitment to care for them and making a commitment to care for them in place, in a particular place. You heard from the story, somewhere between the Nile River and the Euphrates River. And we could go back to a map and look at that. And then we get this psalm every week, right? So every week there's a poem that's read. Elsie read that for us today. It was a beautiful poem, and it's one of those psalms that are like many, many psalms, more than a hundred psalms, way more than a hundred psalms, and yet some of those psalms are more important than others, and we have an important psalm that Elsie read for us, today: this idea of like, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom then shall I fear? What the psalmist is saying, the poet who wrote those psalms, is like, if God is God, and I believe that God is, then what do I have to be afraid of? Nothing, nothing in the world. And then we get a little taste from Philippians that I'm not gonna talk about, and then we get this crazy reading from Luke's Jesus. And that's what I'm gonna preach about this morning. Because, and and one of the reasons I'm gonna preach about it, because it's just too weird If we were just to sit in church and hear that and somebody like me didn't get up and talk about it, it's just too weird for it to hang out there. It requires a little explanation. So what we have is Jesus and all of his disciples are doing what they do. What does Jesus do? What does Jesus and his disciples do? They do two things, mostly. They teach and they heal. They teach and they heal. They heal and they teach. They teach and they heal. They heal and they teach. They teach and they heal. They heal and they teach. They travel around doing teaching and healing. And right now, Jesus is up in this region of Galilee. It's to the north of the Holy Land. It's closer, you know, to the sort of north and east side of that land that God promises Abraham. And it also happens to be like Jesus' hometown. If y'all were Jesus, it would be like y'all are preaching in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He's very well known there. And then we have this curious exchange that happens, and it, it's got us kind of scratching our heads. It says, the Pharisees came to Jesus and told him that Herod was after him, that Herod wanted to throw him in jail to punish him and maybe even put him to death. And this is curious because we know the Pharisees are typically not people that are super stoked about hanging out and conversing with Jesus. And it seems as though in this very first exchange, that the Pharisees are watching out for him. But what we really know is that these are Pharisees from the region of Galilee, from Jesus' hometown. These are religious people who are in charge, religious leaders, and they don't really like what Jesus and his disciples are doing. And so they come to him and they say, because Jesus and his disciples are very popular, They come to him and say like, hey, you know, it's not really all that safe here. We're really thinking about you, not about us. Mm -hmm. And we think probably you and your disciples better scoot. You better get out of here because Herod is chasing you. And then Jesus has this funny sentence. Do you remember what he says about Herod? Do you remember? He calls him something. What does he call him? What does he call him? He says, go and tell that fox. (laughs) He calls Herod a fox. Now here's the deal. I've told you before that when we talk about geographical regions in the Bible, that we ought to really listen, that something important's coming next. What I would also tell you is if you hear about animals in the Bible, something important is coming too. So Jesus characterizes Pilate as a fox. What do we know about foxes? Yeah. They're um, kind of sneaky. They're sneaky. <laughs> what do you know about foxes, George? They eat meat. They eat meat. Sometimes <laughs> they steal that meat, right? <laughs> And where do they steal meat? Do you know? Where do they oftentimes do it? Dead carcasses. Dead carcasses, maybe. <laughs> From dead animals. From dead animals, maybe. Other animals? Any other places that foxes like to break in? Have you ever heard? Yeah. Dens. Dens, right? Could be dens. Could also be a chicken coop. Hmm. <gasps> Have you heard that? Yeah, foxes like to break into a chicken coop. and oh, yeah, steal have a ch- and then, um, you, it. you have chickens and you have to be careful, right? You have to make sure that that chicken coop is safe so that a fox can't break in. He says, go and tell that fox that I'm not at all worried about what he is doing. And then he does something different. He mentions a geographical place. Do you remember what he mentions? No, you were too focused on carrying that cross, right? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, here's here's the deal. I remember. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. He makes this parallel to Jerusalem in this moment where the Pharisees who are acting friendly to Jesus, but we know they're not really friendly, mention Herod somebody who is a political ruler who wants to imprison Jesus, wants to torture him and maybe even take his life. And then, wait, what's, what's the significance of Jerusalem again? It's like, the, it's like the most holy city in all of the world that Jesus knows. And yet Jesus says that Jerusalem is the place that kills prophets. He's saying Jerusalem is not quite as holy as we might think it is, as the story might say that it is. He's saying it's a challenging place. You see, Jesus is trying to point out that there's more than one way to live in the world and the way that the Pharisees are living in the world and the way that Herod is living in the world and the way that the majority of the religious people in Jerusalem are living in the world, we could say is, is, is guided by power. Or maybe we would say, instead of power, we would say is guided by the fist. Some people, live by power. Some people live by the fist and yet Jesus continually asks us to consider that there is a different way of living. That the way of living that that Jesus sees, that God speaks into Jesus's life is centered around What? I'll give you a hint. It starts with L. It rhymes with dove. Oh, love? You say love? Jimmy's preaching about love again? Big, huge surprise, right? You're shocked. I know. I see the shock on your face. And then what happens next in the story is amazing. So he talks first about a fox. Wait, you can't steal that. That is power right here at play. (laughs) See, folks, this is how it happens. (laughs) First, he speaks about a fox. A duck? No, not a duck, but you're close. Do you remember? Mm -mm. Not a dove, a chicken. He took what? Hey, give that fox back to George. He says, I long to gather you like a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Here, come a little closer. Can you come a little closer? Come on, come a little closer. Come on, get in here. No, they're not. No, they're not. Come on, come a little closer. Come Come on, get in here. Come on, get in. It's a beautiful image. It's a caring image. It's not one of power, it's one of love. It's one of the few explicit, there are many, many implicit views of the feminine for God in the Bible but this is one of the explicit ones where Jesus says, no, no, God's like a mother who comes and cares for her brood under her wings, protects them and keeps them safe. Did you guys know I was crafty? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I made these yesterday. Pretty great, right? You like them? Here, you can have a wing. You can have a wing. Okay, here's the deal. Wait, I'm almost done here. I'm bringing it home. I'm bringing it home. Are you ready? So here's the deal. What are we supposed to make of this story? We're supposed to have a sense that that Jesus is describing to us that there are two ways to live in the world. One way is under this dynamic of power where we're always trying to win, where we're always trying to have more, where we're always trying to be the strongest, the smartest, the most amazing, where we would stand over and above one another. That's what I would describe as living by the fist. And Jesus says, no, there's a different way to do it. It's loving, it's nurturing, it's protecting. We do it like a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Ducks do it too, I bet. Maybe not raptors though, right? One thing that we don't hear from the story that happens right before the passage that we have is Jesus Jesus tells this story, the parable of a mustard seed. He says like, wow, like the kingdom is like the tiniest seed that you've ever seen. You put it in the ground and it grows into this big bushy tree. It grows strong. No, 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 don't do that. It grows strong. It provides shade. You get it? Do you get it? He's saying that the tiniest little thing helps grow a loving kingdom. So when I walk away from a Sunday like this, when I hear a story like this, I walk away with this idea of like, oh, wait. Do you mean when we live under the dynamic of love that it's the little things that matter? Yeah, that's what it means. So if we're thinking about how we do that, maybe we share a fox with our little brother, right? (laughs) Or maybe... We move snow from someone's sidewalk or help walk someone to the car after church because it's slippery and they need an extra hand. Maybe we help someone with some groceries or we give them a ride to the doctor when they need it. Or we see that kid at lunch or on the playground who's hanging out by themselves and they might just need a friend, an ear, a person to hang out with. It's the little things, y'all. Jesus is always directing us toward this dynamic of love. And we know that the kingdom, the dynamic of love that Jesus talk about operates through the little things. I hope this week that you and you can think up some little things to do for the people that surround you. Amen.